This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. It's good to see you here today. God bless you. I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord. You've made a good choice today by being here. Just because when you obey the Word of God, there's always a blessing tied to it. So I welcome all of you. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you here. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? We'd like to get the Word in your hand. So if you do need a Bible, get your hand up real high. Then go with me to the book of Mark chapter 6. We'll go in Mark chapter 6 is where we'll start. Again, I know there's many of you that have been having some things within your physical bodies. We pray healing over you in the name of Jesus. I'm glad to see you here today. Again, we are on a series in honor. And so uh, honor is revealed in three ways. I can honor in deed or action. I can honor in word. But I can also honor in the way my thought is. And so if I can honor in those three ways, I can also dishonor in those three ways. Now the word honor itself means to esteem or to show value. The word dishonor is the exact opposite. It means to, to despise or even to, to tear down, to devalue. And so what happens with us in this thing called the earth, this world we live in, I'm either going to gravitate to God's authority, which is based on the Word of God, or I'm going to live by the devil's rebellion, which oftentimes is highlighted even with the way man thinks. Because the Bible is very clear that the, the Word of God is foolishness to the world. The man to us who believe in the Word of God, it's the saving power of God. So, again, we're going to highlight the Word of God. We'll get into it just a little more to explain things. All right, go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 1. Then he, Jesus, went out from there, and he came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this is which given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hand? So the people that were there, they begin to witness these things. And they said, man, how is he doing what he's doing? Where is this happening? The exact word in there, it says they were astonished because of the things he was beginning to do. Verse 3. Is this not the carpenter? Now, with that little statement like there, you begin to see something that begins to play in effect, not only in these people's eyes, but in our eyes. And they begin to reason. And when I begin to reason, I become opinionated. And when I become opinionated, I begin to speak things that I probably shouldn't. So they begin to reason, and they said, Is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? So they're perplexed because they knew the past of Jesus. And is a, to, to sense something here, to say something here in difference to what they're thinking here, it's almost like, we know you. We know your past. How can you be doing this? And then he jumps over and says, so they were offended at him. Now, the word offended has to do with a, a stumbling block. It literally means to cause to stumble. It hinders in conduct and in thought. 
So when we take up an offense, that offense can, can affect the way I behave, but it also can affect the way I think. Verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. The word here, without honor, is really dishonor. And to dishonor means to treat as ordinary. To treat as common. It also means, again, to to devalue or to tear down. So Jesus right here, he's saying, these ones that I've getting around, they dishonor me. And anytime we dishonor someone, man, it's not good. God created us to honor. Remember last week it says we're to honor all men. We're going to honor everybody. So I, I begin to think about this in the area of how can we dishonor other people? So you think back in the times in your life you were dating. And when you were dating, it seemed like every day was sunshine. Woo, it was just wonderful. Oh, happy day. And so we begin to live that way as, as long as we show honor. As long as we show value, as long as we esteem, and then something happens. We go through this marriage ceremony, and we say, I do, and we slip this little ring on our finger. And before long, it seems like the honor and esteem that we once had has now evaporated. Why? Because what we used to consider valuable, now we consider it invaluable. Or we begin to tear it down. So literally, we quit doing the things that we once do. And so what honor used to make great, dishonor does just the opposite. And so you can see that in a marriage covenant. But even in this passage here with the Lord Jesus, I want you to see clearly what dishonor did to him. Verse 5. Now, he could do no mighty work there. He could do. He couldn't do any mighty work there. It didn't say he wouldn't. It says specifically, he couldn't. Now, we're talking about the Son of God. He can do anything he wants. Evidently not. And so when you see the word could not there... It shows us that something was restraining him. Something was holding him back from him being able to do what he desired to do. And so it says he could not do no mighty work there. Except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk. And he healed them. So when you read there what he desired to do. He wanted to heal everybody there that was sick. But because there was a lack of honor toward him. The very things he wanted to do, the blessing or the reward, it was stopped or it was short-circuited right there. Verse 6, this is interesting. And Jesus marveled because their unbelief. Then he went about the village in a circuit teaching. Now when I look here that he marveled at their unbelief, that has to do with lack of faith. But what we can do, we can go back and we look and say, okay... Where did all this start? Well, it started in verse 3 when they begin to reason in their mind 
And then ultimately, because of their reasoning, it led to a lack of honor. And because of their lack of honor, Jesus couldn't do what he wanted to do. And so the word honor right here in the Greek is a word that looks like time, T-I-M-E, but it's actually pronounced tame. The word tame means to value, to respect, to highly esteem, to assign value, to view as precious. So when we give honor, that's what we're doing. But here's our thinking a lot of times as human beings. We say this or we think this. They don't deserve my honor. And that's where we get respect and honor mixed up. Respect you earn. Honor is just flat out given. You just give honor because God said for us to honor. Now you think when you're dating... You didn't ever think, well, you know what? In order for me to open the door for her, she's going to have to earn that. You didn't think that way. You know what you did? You just honored. You went over there. You were so glad to open that door. Woohoo! Remember, it's sunshine. But if I'm not careful, the very things that I once did, that honor, that showed value, I quit doing it. So when we look at this right here, I honor them because God said to honor. Whether that's other people or that's even people in authority. That was last week. So when we look at this, know what the, the lack of honor did in Jesus' life. It restrained him from doing what he desired to do. So you begin to see right there, when we dishonor what God expects us to honor... We lose the reward. We lose the blessing. In Isaiah 29 verse 13 it says, We draw near with our mouths and we honor him with our lips. But our hearts and our thoughts are far from him. Hmm. Now, I'm just going to read this. This is Isaiah 65. And the reason I'm just going to read it is we're going to go to Mark 2 right after this. This is Isaiah chapter 65, verse 2. I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts. According to my own thoughts. So turn with me to Mark 2 and what you're going to begin to see here this morning Something happens when I begin to live by my own thoughts or my own opinions and my own reasoning. That's why it's very important that we as believers, we live by the Word of God. We hear the Word of God and we obey the Word of God. Now, the, the, the key for each one of us is to say, Lord, I want an appetite for the Word of God. I, I don't want to live by the opinions of men. And if you watch too much news, it's going to twist you. If you watch too, too much of late night TV, it's going to twist you. You know why they don't think in line with the Word of God? Remember, the Word of God is foolishness to the world. Now, before I got born again, it was foolishness to me. But now that I'm born again, I prize the Word of God. I thank God for the Word of God. Thank you for those two agreements. Mark 2, verse 1. And again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, 
and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered, to, uh, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door or the rear of the door. And he preached the word to them. The significance of the word of God. Jesus didn't go in there and tell them a bunch of uh, uh, news reports. He preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith or their persistence, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now when Jesus says, Sons, your sins are forgiving you are forgiven of you, he gets their attention. Look how they react in verse number 6. And some of the scribes were sitting or observing there, and they begin reasoning in their hearts. They begin to reason in their hearts. The Amplified says they question him in their thinking. And so their reason in their thoughts is they hear him say, your sins are forgiven you. And they're looking at him and say, who do you think you are doing that? The message says he can't talk that way. So I want you to focus here just a second. It says they reasoned. They reasoned. So they didn't say anything outwardly. They didn't stay, uh, speak anything negatively him. They didn't speak anything critical of him. But their unvoiced thoughts are very powerful. Slander often, oftentimes is birthed from reason. And again, man's rebellion toward authority is shown in my actions. My words and even my thoughts. How do we know that? Watch this, verse 7. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now again, listen to me. They're not speaking this out loud. This is what's going on in their mind. They hear Jesus speak this and all of a sudden they begin to reason. Verse 8, but immediately when Jesus perceived or discerned or knew in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, they, they debated within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Now I have to look at this. What governs your heart? Does reason govern your heart? Or the authority of the word of God governs your heart? Because every one of us in here as believers, we're going to live to the level of reason or we're going to live under the level of authority of God's word. So now I'm going to ask you a question and you've got to respond to this question to yourself. When God's commands come, do I reason? Do I debate with them? Or do I just flat out obey them? See, I'm going to gravitate toward the others. I'm going to begin to reason with them. Or I'm going to live by God's word. I don't care who you are. 
So answer that question right now. When I see the Word of God in the area, do I begin to debate with it in my mind? Or I just look at it and say, that's what God's Word. God's Word doesn't change. That His Word is forever settled in heaven. And I'm going to come to a place in my life where I'm going to either live by the Word of God or I'm going to live by the reasons and opinions of man. There is no neutral ground. So the example we all get of that is the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine God speaking to him and saying, Jesus, I need you to go to the cross and die for me. And so when that took place with Jesus, he didn't reason. He didn't debate with God. He didn't give God his opinion. He did one thing and he submitted and his submission was revealed by the way he obeyed. Woo, that comes back to me. How well do I obey? See, we as Christians, we shouldn't be called Christians. We shouldn't even be called believers. If we're real Christians, we ought to be called obeyers. I obey. I don't question the Word of God. I just flat out obey it. I knew this would be real popular today. Thank you, I will. Verse 9. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know. That you may, not that you may reason, not that you may debate it. But you may know, now watch this. That the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. So what does Jesus do here? He shows them, I have authority on earth. And so when the scribes begin to reason, they dishonored Jesus. How did they dishonor Jesus? They dishonored him in their thoughts and their reasoning. And so all this originates from my heart. And render is, or respect is... Uh, honor is given it's rendered in the way I honor him the way I obey him and it all originates from right here in my heart it's a condition of my heart now, this is why the, the, the church really 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 needs to stay with the word of God 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30 says if you honor me I will honor you if you despise me I will lightly esteem you now, to look how this appears in the Bible, this will really help you. Go with me to 1 Samuel, chapter number 15. 1 Samuel 15. Again, I will tell you this. Honor is a big deal in heaven. And if it's a big deal in heaven, it needs to be a big deal here. Actually, the Bible says to honor all men. It says to honor authority. It says marriage is honorable. It says children honor and obey your mother and father. So when you begin to look at this, we go through life and we'll either honor or we'll dishonor. Every one of us in this room, we've probably dishonored at times. But this is to help us to understand, when I obey what God says to obey, and I honor what God says to honor, I'm blessed. There's a blessing that's attached to it. 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, now Samuel was the prophet, Saul was the king. The Lord sent me to you, anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, 
Heed the voice of the words of the Lord. The word heed, it, it means to listen. But it also goes a couple steps farther. It means to attend. It means to regard. And ultimately, to really heed, I must obey. So he's telling him, listen, you're going to have to obey. You're going to have to obey the words of the Lord. Verse 2, thus says the Lord of the host, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when he came up out of Egypt. So when the, the Israelites were leaving Egypt, the first city they come across, this area, the Malachites uh, uh, attack them. And God says, I've never forgot what they did back then. And so he says, go after them. Now, look real close at verse 3. Now, go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant, nursing, child or ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now, when I read a verse 3, it's very interesting because... God's very precise, and he's very clear with the instruction. And some of the words he says is he says, destroy. He says, do not spare them. He says, kill every one of them. So when God gives me and you a commandment, I'm not to substitute that commandment with my opinions or my judgments. When God gives me a commandment, it's either I obey it or I disobey it. So now, this king named Saul, he's prescribed God's heart. And God says, this is what you're supposed to do. Verse 7, I'm jumping down for time's sake. So Saul attacked the Malachites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Malachites, alive. And he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings and the lambs, and all that was good. Now I look at this and I think, where did he get mixed up from verse 3 to verse 9? Because I can go back to verse 3 and I can read it and it was very precise. Don't spare them. Destroy them all and utterly kill them. Wipe them out. But when I read this, he didn't do that. Why did he, do, why did he not do that? Well, he goes on to say next in the verse. And they were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. So when I see the word unwilling, unwilling is birthed in my heart. And so when things become uh, in my heart pertaining to the Word of God, I'll either be willing or I'll be unwilling. And when we look at willing, the Lord said in Isaiah 1.19, He said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll get the good of the land. So the only way willing is truly revealed is by the way I obey. And so when we look right here, He was unwilling, so it shows me He didn't obey. So human nature is this, well, what's the matter with a little sin? What's the matter with just a little bit of it? Well, again, I either obey God or I don't obey God. 
And God didn't ask us for our opinions here. Verse number 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, now listen to this, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And so when we read this here, he's rejected as king by God. Not because he told some big fat lies or he was a thief. But he didn't obey God. Now I don't care how we want to dice this, cube this and look at this. We may look and say, well that was just a little thing. But evidently evidently not, not in God's eyes. Verse 12. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul... It was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. Now that reveals real quick, you're an an arrogant soul. You're a proud soul when you start making monuments for yourself. He's got an ego problem. And it goes on to say in this passage here in verse 12. And he's gone on around and passed by and gone down to Gilgal. Now he act like he was going to sacrifice to God, but it was really, look at me. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed or carried out the commandments of the Lord. Now, Now wait a minute. Saul says to Samuel, I did what the Lord asked me. Now this can only come from his thoughts or his opinion. But when you look at this, I don't base my decisions on obeying God or not obeying God by what I think. Because God doesn't bless the opinionated. God blesses the obedient. Ooh, it got quiet in here. Wow. Keep reading. But Samuel said, What then is this, the bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Can you imagine in this setting? I'm telling you, it was intense. Saul says, I obeyed. Samuel the prophet says, Well, then why is all this bath going on? Stupid. Who are you trying to fool? So it's pretty evident here and pretty clear that he didn't obey him. But yet in his thinking and his reasoning, he did. And that's an issue that starts happening with humanity when I start reasoning and debating with the things of God. Verse 15. And Saul said, they, them stinking people, They have brought them from the Malachites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. The sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now he's blaming the people. Kind of like Adam did in Genesis 3. God, it's that woman you gave me. So again, that's human nature. When things don't go the way we want, and there's correction from God, 
Instead of receiving the correction and repenting, you know what he does? He starts blaming other people. How many of you have ever done that? God, I'd be a holy man if it wasn't for that wife you gave me. See, again, it's easy to get over on that. Keep reading. And he goes on to say, And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet. Stop. My paraphrase, Samuel said to him, Shut up. You talk too much. I will tell you what the Lord said to me. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, when you were humble, you were not the head of the tribes of Israel. And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? So when I walk with the robe of humility, you know what this is? I call out to God. I say, God, i got to have your help. I welcome your grace today. But a prideful or an arrogant soul says, I've got it. i got everything figured out. I'm smart. I have a PhD. You know what a PhD is, don't you? Just an old post hole digger. A PhD. Got it right up here in the kidneys. Where are we at? What verse? Verse 18. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Malachites and fight against them until they are consumed. This was the command. And when God puts his authority on us, we are to obey his authority. We're not to substitute his authority for our own opinions. Wow, that's good. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Not a big deal. Just a little thing. Just a little. Just little. Just little. But if it was just a little thing, why did it say, why did you do evil in the sight of the Lord? See, partial obedience is still disobedience. Wow. Verse 20. And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Again, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I'm sure Samuel's wanting to say, What type of stupid are you? But again, I look at that and I think, How many times in my life have I debated that with God and pretended like, I did obey, when in reality, I really didn't obey. This shows how deceived we can get. And so the only way that deception is exposed is I live in light of the Word of God. And I look at the Word of God and say, did I obey it or did I disobey it? So he said, I believe the Word of God. And I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Malachites. Now because... Saul didn't destroy the Amalekites. He would ultimately be slain by the Amalekites. And many times in my life, the very Amalekites that deal with my thinking, that if I don't get rid of them, if I don't cast them down and get them out of my thought life, and I utterly destroy them, they will ultimately destroy me or they'll imprison me. So I'm no different when I disobey the word of God. Remember Deuteronomy 4.2, he said, 
Don't add to my word and don't take away from it. You know what God just tells us that as human beings, as Christians? I don't need your help in writing the word of God. God's saying, hey, I got it. I got it. Verse 21. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things which should have ultimately or utterly been destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Now listen real close to this. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. God's saying, catch my heart. Obedience to me is the first thing. It's above sacrifice. And sacrifice is that which obedience would have prevented. So submission is shown in my attitude. Obedience is shown in my conduct. But it's very, it's very clear in our society. Many would rather worship their opinion. My opinion is more important than the word of God. But he said specifically here. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now look how he ends verse 22 or 21. 22. And to heed, to obey, than the fat of rams. Now just in my curious thinking, I thought, what in the world is the fat of rams? What does that have to do when he says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed, to actually obey is better than the fat of the rams. The fat of the rams is symbolic of the intellect. And it literally states here, Do I obey God over conforming to human intellect? Uh-oh. You know what he just told me? There's going to become a, a decision, a choice in your life where you have to come to this and you say, do I obey the word of God above what humanity says? Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. Two roads, a narrow road, a wide road. This one named Narrow, he said it's very difficult and there are few who on it, but it's the way to life. So within our society right now, it's very easy to get caught up in what all the people are saying, what all the people are doing. But again, God says, what about my word? Do you treasure my word? Verse 23. For rebellion is a sin as witchcraft. So what was he talking about there? When I rebel against the word, it's as if sin of witchcraft. Now, most of us in here, I would hope, would say, I don't want anything to do with witchcraft. But yet, he likens witchcraft to rebellion, and he says, when you rebel to my word, you fall under witchcraft. Woo, I don't want to go there, Lord. Keep reading with me. And stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. 
because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So you know what that says to me here? He lost the blessing. Why? He wouldn't obey God. To obey God is to honor God. And so looking at this right here, it's if the Lord is saying, I'm God. I'm God. I don't need your reason. I am the reason. I don't need your opinion. I don't need your help right here. And so oftentimes by reason, we try to make God like one of us. And to reason or to argue with God implies that God needs our consent. God doesn't need the consent of the creation. He's the creator. God doesn't need our opinions. God doesn't need our reasoning. He's only after our obedience. And so you go back and look at this. Each one in there, when they got over and began to reason and begin to try to figure things out, I'm going to tell you times right now, you won't figure the Bible out by human reasoning. You'll figure that out by the Holy Spirit, and He'll get on the inside, and you'll begin to say, wow, that's life. Now, you could have said amen a bunch, okay? Man, you missed some great opportunities. Go, go to Psalms 19. This is what we'll end with, maybe, if you guys really shout amen. I'm just kidding. This is to the point. And, and any time God deals with me throughout the study, through the week, and it, it's just like this. Just bap. That's how he deals with me. I don't know if it's because at times I'm hard-headed. It's just bap. And there's times I'll hear him say, I don't need your opinion. You either obey it or you don't obey it. I remember before we started tithing, me and Shelly tried to figure it all out in our head. We began to reason, and our reasoning was we had more month than money. But God said, honor me with the tithe. He didn't say, try to reason it out, because if you try to reason that out, it won't make sense. It won't make any sense to your head. So what do I do? I step out by faith, and I begin to honor it. It's the same in the marriage covenant. I'm not throwing stones at anybody, but we live in a society where people think, well, you can just live together and God's okay with it. He's not okay with it. Uh-oh. Where are you going, pastor? I'm going with the truth. I'm going with the truth because, again, that's how much God loves us. And if the truth offends you, get mad at God. I'm just the messenger boy. Psalm, where did I tell you to go? Psalm 19, verse number 8. The statues or the commands of the Lord, they're right. Actually, they're perfect. Rejoicing the heart. So you know what he's telling me here? When I obey the, the commands of God that are perfect, there comes a joy in my heart. Something begins to happen. And, and many of us in here, we've experienced, experienced that. When you obey God, there's a joy because guess what? God's happy with you. How many of your parents is your home well when your kids obey you? Woohoo, it's wonderful. But when your kids don't obey you, the house is a mess. Everybody's ticked off. Woohoo. Keep reading. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure or clear, enlightening the eyes, giving me insight to live. God's saying, I want you to live by my word, because when you live by my word, it's well. The fear of the Lord is clean or pure, enduring forever. It's a lifetime guarantee. And the judgments of the Lord are, are true and righteous altogether. Ooh, that's some good stuff right there. More to be desired are they. What is the they? The, the, the statutes, the commandments, the fear of the Lord, and the judgments are more to be desired than gold, yea, the much fine gold. So guess what he just told us there? Probably the greatest commodity of anything here on the earth to all of us would be gold. I mean, we like gold. Woo, I got an ounce of it. I got five, whatever we got. And so guess what he's telling us here? The, the commandments of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord, they're more to be desired than gold, yea, than fine gold. You know why he's telling us that? Because when you die, they don't go to the grave with you. They don't go to heaven. You know what that means? Your kids are going to enjoy them. <laughs> I don't mean that ugly. And then look what he says. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. It's been said about honey, it's the most sweetest thing here on the earth. So it becomes a craving. And he said, more to be desired is the word of God than gold. Yea, than fine, much, than fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Now watch where he ends here. Moreover, by them, the commandments, the judgments, the statutes, the fear of God, your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Woo! God's a rewarder. Hebrews eleven six 6 says he's a rewarder and a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So now I've got to look at all this. I think, how does this pertain to us? I'll tell you what it did to me. It put a fear in me for, of God in, in a whole new level. Where I had to come to the altar and say, Father God, I, I've questioned things. When things start happening in our world, I've questioned them. Why is this happening? Why that happened? What's going on in America? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? In other words, I, I thought God needed to know my opinion. If I was you, God, I would. God doesn't need the opinion of the creation. He's the creator. And so God says, just pray my word. Just pray my heart. Just look to me and live for me. And so just maybe today you're here and you've gotten over where you've, you've leaned more to reasoning the intellect than you have to say, I'm going to live for God. And you may say, well, you've been doing this so long in your life. You're, you're a dinosaur. You're ancient. I'm not that old, but I have been doing it for a long time. And I can tell you right now, my life is so much better. Woo! The Word of God is truth. And the more I obey, the more I honor God. And the more I honor God, the more He blesses me. Just with peace. 
just a reassurance. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.